you're looking crafty. You could make a raft out of pencils and foam. You sure looking happy. Hello. Hello. Uh, my name's Miranda. I'm Mylan. This is the Stitchcraft Podcast, episode number 32. We definitely had to look that up because that seems like way too high a number. That's too high. There we go. Woo! Cheers. Tink. Tink. I was drinking water. It's true, but I'm not drinking water because I haven't had any other beverages. It's just that I've had another beverage and it is time for water. And I'm not there yet because, dang it, I'm having a Bud Light Orange. (laughs) A blow, if you will. (laughs) Did you bring the blow? I sure did. It's a Bud Light Orange. (laughs) Oh, boy. Everyone can boo-hoo until you have it. You don't know. So Miranda and I had this argument when when Bud Light Orange originally came out. I didn't notice because why would I? (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't for me. And um, I can't remember when it was you first had it, but you like texted me and you were like, if you haven't had this, you don't get to hate on it. (laughs) And you know what? I went to a party. It was still snowy out. And I was making fun of my friend who had it in the fridge because I was looking for another beer. And he was like, he was like, oh, do you want one of these? They're so good. And I was like, who the fuck do you think I am? <laughs> and he was like, no, 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 no. You got to try it. Wait, 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 wait. Like this friend of mine, he repeats himself many times over with emphasis. And um, I had it. And next thing you know, I was on the phone asking another friend to go and get us a 12 pack before they came <laughs> over because... I had more than two. <laughs> I was like, what, what, what is this? It's Fanta. It's made for the children. And I'm sorry. <laughs> it's made for people like me who used to love Sparks. <laughs> who like Fruit Loops. It's not, it's, it doesn't have caffeine like Sparks. No, no. And the alcohol level is a normal Bud Light. So it's not going to make a total mess of you no. necessarily. But if you wanted a little flavor profile change from, say, your BLL, Bud Light Lime... <laughs> You can totally go on to blow <laughs> Bud Light Orange. I it's feel like delightful. <laughs> I do. I like it. I like it a lot. So I can't say that I was enthusiastic, but I did have one when you and I went to the hot tub just now, and I have to say it was suitable for the occasion. It's the right place at the right time. It is. It with is. a blow. Yeah. So, <laughs> are you going to keep saying that? Yeah. Because my friend Clint keeps saying it and I love it so much. He's like, blow. And he's really dramatic. Oh and God. I say dramatic, but like when he makes jokes or something, he's like really like awesome and hilarious. He, well, he goes all in. He does. He yeah. goes all in. So when he started calling it blow, like we all started calling it blow and it's ridiculous. Anyways, I'm sure this is not great for everybody, but anyways... I'll stop. The point is, is that I'm drinking out of a slim can, which makes me feel like I'm having a Virginia Slim of a beer. You are. (laughs) P.S. It's still a cigarette. It's still a can of beer. And uh, if that had been invented in the mid 80s, the people who smoked Virginia Slims at the time would have been drinking that beer. Well, have you ever noticed that LaCroix comes in two different shapes, but it's still the same amount of ounces? No. They have the skinny cans. Do they? But they're like the fancy flavors. Like wow. blackberry cucumber versus orange. <laughs> like huh. or, they got their stumpy cans for us like regular folk. And then they got the tall skinny cans for people who like pinkies up. They just wow. can't put all their fingers around one can. So like <laughs> they need they need to be able to grip something tiny. 
But I noticed that they sell them beside each other. I did not ever Same price. That. But if you want, like, I think one is like a cherry lime and the other is like a blackberry cucumber. And there's probably something else in there that tastes like a a fruit being yelled past you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't taste like anything. It tastes like driving past an orchard and wishing that you were allowed to have that, but you're on a diet. That's what it tastes like. I think um, I think your partner, I think your, your husband, uh, Pat, said it was like TV static. Like, almost like a... He didn't go here, but I went there. I was like, it's almost like knowing you are watching Skinamax, but it's still TV static. Exactly. So you can hear it, but you ain't getting it. <laughs> when he said TV static, I mean, it was like, like is that oh. a titty? <laughs> I can't tell. I think it might be, though. So I'm be. into it. Oh, shit, it's a book. <laughs> oh, oh, no. And we're cutting fruit. <laughs> so I feel like that's that's right along the lines of the drink that um, Pat invented recently. Oh, what's that? The creamsicle dream. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Please, mm. you need to tell. So I did not have one of these today, but I did earlier this week. <laughs> and I would say that I'm not ashamed, but I'm ashamed. You should. Alan, we are of this age that we should give no fucks. We're about to start wearing hats out in public. It's going to be fine. <laughs> so the creamsicle dream... <laughs> was invented because Coca-Cola made what's basically creamsicle Coke. So it's the orange vanilla Coke. So they don't call it creamsicle because I'm pretty sure that's a copyrighted name. Probably. But yeah. um, the orange vanilla Coca-Cola came out and I was like, wow, that sounds disgusting. I'm not interested. <laughs> and my husband was like, oh, but I bet that would taste really good with Captain Morgan's. And I was like, it's either going to be very good or the worst thing you've ever had. But it's not going to be somewhere in the middle. Like It's going to be a polarizing experience. Exactly. And so I went to the grocery store uh, at the end of last week, and I asked if he wanted anything. And he was like, get me some of the, the creamsicle Coke. So I went down the aisle and I saw a 12 pack of cans and I was like, oh, I can't commit too to much, that man. level. Too much candy for a nickel. No. <laughs> I can't do it. And so then I found a six pack of the um, bottles, but that's basically the same volume of soda as, as a 12 pack of cans. And I was like, I can't do it. And finally there was a little case that had Singleton. So I bought one. And I bought the smallest bottle of Captain's that I could find, brought it home. He had one, and he thought it was really good. And I, he was like, you should try this. And I was like, mm, I don't know. And then he was like, by the way, I went back and bought a 12-pack. Oh, <laughs> he did not even wait. He didn't even wait. He was like, I don't care what you think. This is what I like. Okay. All right. I will say it is um, definitely, like, if you want something that has... Um, some caffeine in it and doesn't require a whole lot of captains to make it taste like you're having a cocktail but obviously the captains doesn't have a whole lot of alcohol in it like it's 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 a fine summer drink all right it's it still feels weird to me your face i know no one else can see your face but i'm we're in we're in stereo today guys we're in this we're having a slumber party and i'm looking at my sister's face as she goes it's not bad <laughs> <laughs> well it's so i i feel like um you didn't say it was bad but i'm just saying like you did it is is definitely not bad but when i think about wanting a cocktail that's not what i think about wanting yeah. i think about wanting something that requires a bunch of work to make because i feel like it's um i don't know if i want a treat i want a, like a 
treat. I want something an that, experience. like, I want an experience. This is definitely something where you're like, oh, I'm going to go to my friend's barbecue and they're going to have, you Mixers know. Mixers and some yeah. bottles. Yeah. And I'm just going to take some stuff to make it taste good. And that's plenty good. But you know, yeah. like, whatever you take to your friend's house is also so easy that you won't get trapped making drinks for everybody else. Oh my gosh. That's yes. the big thing. Yes. Right? And it's, I love my friends, but I'm not doing that. No. Why do you think we bring beer? Mm. Or I know a lot of people bring that uh, spiked seltzer mm-hmm. business now. So I'm kind of like, choose your poison. All these cans. Making a cocktail, though. Like, now when I think about having a cocktail, I will pick a fancy bar that will use egg whites. <laughs> Don't spit out your water. <laughs> no, but I, I know exactly what you mean. Like, if but I go I'm to not... a cocktail bar... That serves drinks with egg whites. I'm like, oh, you mean it. Yes. You're in it to win it. You give a fuck. You are going to deal with all the health code violations. Yep. Let's do it. There's something about like, this is going to be so terrible and we need to stay on track because I have a tendency to ramble like I am right now. But I used to have a coworker at Levi's who um, wanted photos of people's kitchens before he ate anything that they brought to a potluck. <laughs> And what I, an asshole. Oh, total asshole. But then it started making me think. And I was like, oh, yeah. There's like, I'm not saying I won't eat anything that people bring to work. Not at all. Because I'm a garbage barge of a person. <laughs> I will eat anything that is free 99. I am, I know who I am. Definitely looked at a combo. That's right. I said it, a combo that I dropped on the floor today <laughs> of my car. And I have not had my car detailed in three years. And I looked at it and I thought, it's okay. I might have that. And I decided against it because I have a weekend trip here and I didn't want any problems. But the point was is that I'm... You had that pause. I had you a pause. You had that moment. But there is something about a place that is going to go through the effort of making a drink with egg white that I'm like, word, I'm in. I'll <laughs> like, do this. I'll do anything you suggest. <laughs> like, go for it. That's the cocktail I want. And other than that, I'll have beer. Fair. Or wine. Or champagne. Well, and speaking of beer, we did have um, some good Ooh. beers today. So uh, Miranda and I are together because we are visiting our dad in central Wisconsin. And there is a, well, I, I don't know how new the brewery is, but it is new to us. So there is a, new, a new-ish brewery in Wapaka, Wisconsin called H.H. Hinder, which is definitely not named after a human being. It is named after butts. <laughs> Body parts. <laughs> yep. And um, so we had... Uh, Think of Hooters, but, <laughs> but with guys in t-shirts is normally serving you regular beer, but they just, you know, and women. But anyway, sorry. Continue. Well, as I was trying to remember the name of the, the IPA that we had that was... Ah, yeah. So I just found it. So Miranda and I both had an IPA called I Pledge My Assets. Um, and it was a really nice IPA. It was great. It was yeah. very drinkable. Very drinkable. Um, it it had hoppiness, so you knew it was an IPA, but it wasn't too much. Yeah. I would say that it was very balanced in terms of being a little bit floral, a little bit, like a tiny bit piney, but not very much of the piney flavors, I would say. There's certain IPAs that upon ordering, I'm like, can I have a glass of water mm-hmm. like immediately for the dryness? Mm-hmm. And this one, I, I didn't. It was a little more on the fruity side, but it was not a hazy IPA. It yeah. was definitely more of like a standard IPA, just not super intense. Um, and that was, that was really, really good. And then we also had their, um, 
uh, homebrew root beer. So they had a non-alcoholic root beer that um, was very different than any other root beer I've ever yeah. had. I, I felt like, well, you and I both said this, and so I'll, I'll cut to the taste. It tasted like a root beer float. With the vanilla ice cream already melted in it. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't feel like it was like crazy super sweet. I mean, it was sweet, absolutely. But I didn't feel like um, it was so effervescent and peppery. Mm-hmm. It was just more of, it was a lot smoother. It was smoother and warmer. Like I feel like, yeah. like you were saying, it doesn't have that, it didn't have as much of a bite as like, like Bark's Root Beer likes to advertise their bitey, flavors this was definitely more on the warmer end so when we were talking about it with the bartender he said that it wasn't his favorite root beer because it had so much like cinnamon and anise and almost like and the vanilla like I think yeah. both of the, all of those things all the were flavorings a little stronger than what he was used to but I thought it made for something that was just like an interesting experience I, I really liked it and yeah, I, was I thought thinking... it was really good I just thought to myself, I was like, if I knew I was going to meet up, meet up with my friends, I'd be so pumped to drink that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a total treat, too. So mm-hmm. it was Definitely. Really it's a good dessert. It was a very yeah. good dessert. There. I don't think I would ever buy, like, if they were like, oh, we got it canned, I'd be like, ooh, I'll take two. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. You know? I don't want a 12-pack <laughs> of that root beer, but I would take a couple. You're right. Absolutely. It was really good, though. Yeah. Oh, and then do you want to talk about our... The sour we had today? I would, that's the last thing I was going to oh, mention. Oh, okay. yes. Go for it. Okay. So uh, the last thing we had was a sour from New Glarus, and you've heard us talk about them ad nauseum, so I yes, won't. Yes, we are not sponsored or paid for by them. We just are proud. That's <laughs> just all. super pleased with every decision they make. <laughs> and so um, at the hotel that we're staying at, there is, we're across the street from a... Um, golf course pub like their yeah. club or whatever and it's like a convention center too for like the town yeah and so they have um a pretty good selection of beers yeah and this time when we went in um the bartender was telling us that she usually likes the stuff from new glarus but this time it was a little intense for her and i was like oh well what is it that you have and she said it's the Flanders Sour, which is a thing that I had never heard of them having on tap. I've also just never heard of that profile at yeah. New Glarus. That's kind of like not what I expected. Well, so they they have done this before, and actually you bought us some of it, and I bought some oh, of it in their little... Um, the limited edition? Yeah, exactly. So if you go to New Glarus, if you go to the brewery, um, and you go to their... Um, not their tasting room, but the place, their, their cellar. Yeah. yeah. So you can buy all of their regular beers there, but they also have a collection of their limited edition special bottles that are maybe t- 22 ounces or mm-hmm. something like that. They're a little smaller than a 750 ml bottle, um, but they're not as small as like a 12 ounce or something so they're in the middle of that um and they're they generally seem to be sours that they have Mm. in that line anyway so um we we were talking to the bartender and she said oh we have this flanders sour and um 
it was too sour for her. She was like, oh, I don't really like it. So we had some of it, and then the guy sitting next to us had some of it, and he thought it tasted like vinegar. And I was like, no, I've tasted vinegar. This is quite nice. (laughs) But it is definitely, it looks like a porter almost. Yeah, I was not prepared for the color at all. Yeah, it's it's a a red sour, but it's so dark that it looks more brown than red. But if you get toward the bottom of the glass, you can see the light through it a little better. It's a little more reddish. Um, but it wasn't molasses. It wasn't no heavy. Mm-mm. It tasted and and when we were talking about it, um, I my feeling was that it tasted like unsweetened berries, like what actual raspberry juice tastes like would taste like with some sour apple flavors in it. Um, and the description from the brewery is that they say it's a little more um, tart stone fruit. And I don't really get the stone fruit. It tastes mm. more like berries to me than like apricots or peaches I would say, yeah, or anything. Yeah, it's a lot more of a tart feel mm-hmm. than a stone fruit, like a mango or otherwise. Yeah. But I, regardless, I was actually impressed by how drinkable that was. And... To me, as someone who's not that nuanced in beer, it reminded me of like Shiner Box. So Shiner Box is a dark beer. It's not sour at all, but you're surprised by how dark it is. And it's, sorry, Shiner Box is not even that dark, but it's... It's pretty dark though. But it's dark, Mm -hmm. but it's still like a drinkable beer. And I would say that this like, you would drink at the same pace of of an IPA. Mm -hmm. It's not like a, and it's served in a pint glass, not like other sours are served in um smaller glasses like a 12 ounce glass or anything like that so it was just it was really interesting i'm really glad we got to try it yeah it was awesome and it's you know when i looked on um the social media app that i use for beers which is called untapped it seemed like most everybody else could only get it uh in these bottles Mm. and so it was really strange to find it on tap yeah um but it was it was lovely Ooh, you know what i'll put a plug in for this Anyone who loves a snake bite slash black velvet, which I think in the Midwest here, black velvet is stout and Guinness. Oh, sorry. Stout like a Guinness and strongbow cider. Usually it's Mm -hmm. usually those items together. Some kind of cider, some kind of stout. It tasted like that to me. Mm Mm-hmm. So. I could definitely see that. I think that's the the kind of vibe. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. We spent a lot of time on our beers today, but I'm really glad that we did. We had a lot of good stuff. It's true. So what are you working on? Uh, I am working on many things. So I posted it on the Instagram feed, but I did finish the knitting portion of the um, Baby's First Principles baby blanket. Yeah, And... Um, so cool. I love it. I then washed it because I wanted to block it. And that plucky knitter cozy yarn floofs up like crazy which is nice for um color work because it sort of fills in any gaps from any you know if your stitches were uneven or something it'll it kind of floofs out and fills it in so it looks nicer than it did before the only downside is that um it releases a lot of lint when you do that Mm. so i pulled it out of the washer because i i when i wet block something i put it in the washer and I let it soak in the washer, and the washer doesn't really agitate it very much, but it agitates it just a little bit to make sure that it's all damp, and then it spins it to dry it. Um, and so even with that very small amount of agitation, 
it spat out lint like crazy. Oh, no. <laughs> so, like, I pulled the blanket out and I was like, oh, no, what happened? And nothing bad happened. It's just, like, all the loose fibers got free and, like, stuck to each other. So, it got all over everything. <laughs> So I'm just going to have to tell the people who are receiving this blanket that they should spot clean it, Uh even though it's technically washable. Like, you could put it in the washer, you can put it in the dryer, like, you won't ruin it, (laughs) but, like, it will coat your washer and dryer with fuzzballs of baby camel, basically. (laughs) So, um, so I just have to put a back on it because it's, as I mentioned, it's color work, so there are long strings of yarn on the back side. Um, between the different color sections and um, somebody else on Ravelry had commented that they put a back on it because they were worried about the baby putting their like feet and toes into those loose strings and then hurting themselves so I'm just gonna put a a fabric back on it and you and I talked about it and I I like the idea that you suggested of putting a knit fabric on the back because um if you use something like a knit jersey or well knit jersey is the one that'll do this the most but other fabrics that are knit rather than woven will do this as well Um, if you cut the edges raw and leave the edges raw it'll roll a little bit so it'll make like a a clean rolled edge and it won't um fray further yeah whereas if you buy a woven like a quilting cotton or something like that it'll fray over time um, and it'll do that less if it's if it's a knitted fabric. I'm also feeling like the reason I like the knit idea is that as you tack it throughout the whole blanket, mm-hmm. knits move with like knits move with knits better. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like with a woven, you might get disappointed if like the baby grabs something and stretches it. Mm-hmm. It would just you know that woven's not going anywhere. So you, all of a sudden you have like a weird bagging that you know saggy. Yeah look on that blanket that you worked so hard on. Yeah, so this actually goes back to a previous episode where we talked about um, when Miranda was um, repairing denim, that you want to try, if you're going to put two different fabrics together, and you have to do that sometimes, um, you want those fabrics to have this the most similar properties possible so that if one of them stretches, the other one stretches in that same direction, um, so that you don't get sagging of one of the fabrics while the other fabric stays really taut um, or where one of the fabrics um, tends to sort of like loosen up over time but the other one sort of stays yeah. in its same shape like that that's what ends up looking real bad over time it is. really does and I feel like I always have to tell people like oh it can be sewn what you want is possible but you ain't gonna like it after two washes or you're right like, you know, putting a woven to a knit or putting a vintage fabric with a new fabric, like, there's a lot of pre-washing and planning, yeah, know, to do that kind of stuff. Like, it will look good when you first do it, but if you are looking to make something that is going to last, you definitely, you, your outcomes will be much better if you plan it a little bit better in advance. I do feel like the scariest moment is not all of the quilting, like in my experience of making, you know, quilts, which are really tiny little baby quilts. So it's not nearly the investment of a lot of people, but that scariest moment is washing it. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want to send anything to anyone's house that hasn't been washed after all that handwork and time and 
things like that. I'm like, I, don't, I know, I'm so thrilled to get it to you because it's done, but I have to put it through this process because I'm not about to hand it to you and surprise you mm-hmm. with how it turns out later. But yeah. Yep. It's, it's wild, but it's good. I'm excited to see what you do. I'm excited too. So I haven't picked out the fabric that I'm going to put on the other sides. Um, I thought I was going to do it this week, but it time just got away from me. So I'm hoping that this coming week I will be able to go to um, my local fabric shop and talk with them about what would be sort of the most complimentary. Because my, my temptation is to put something visually interesting on the back mm. as well as visually interesting on the front. But that may just be much of a muchness. Like, maybe I should just, like, pick something simple to go on the back. Um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the simple back. Mm. I've had a wild back on a couple things, and that's because I pieced them together. But I've heard from mothers that sometimes when things get too stained on the front, oh, you can flip it and you get a new side. Or That's I fair. Mean, but the thing is, like, and also, like, I don't know, baby photos. I've seen a lot of people flip things over so they have a plain background to put their yeah. three-month-old sign and whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's it's also the easiest to put one piece. But it could be an interesting thing. It's just, you know, you don't want it to, like, get in the way of what you worked so hard on. Exactly, exactly. So we'll we'll see what's available at my local fabric store and yeah. what the pe- – because the people there um, – have done this kind of thing before, so they'll be able to give me good advice. There's a really famous quilter that I love that does hand quilting, um, and she goes by the brand Folk Fibers, and she's done stuff for like Levi's and a bunch of other people, and she does all her own dyeing, all of her own like hand sewing and everything. So her quilts are very intricate and interesting, but also expensive because they're all hand sewn, and. She was going through this phase for a while where she was taking photos of the front of her quilts and then taking the photos of the back of her quilts. And she was like, I like the back way better. <laughs> like, she kept, like, piecing the backs. And she's like, I like this way better. And I was like, I'm with you. I'm with you. I like it. I like it, too. And I'm like, you know, so sometimes a, a good back is awesome. Yeah. So it just depends. Sorry, I didn't mean to poo-poo that. No, no, no. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it turns out. But, yeah, so I finally finished the knitting on that. I block. I washed it. I blocked it. It looks good. I'm happy. Um, so because that took so long, I then cast on a more, um, I don't know, uh, instant gratification project. Mm -hmm. Um, so I cast on a pair of overberry mitts, um, which is a, a pattern from the very first... There we go. I was like, I'm sorry, I can't. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pattern from the first Pom Pom Quarterly, but I don't have the first edition. Oh, wow. It was re-released for their fifth birthday. So I'm oh, okay. using the version from their fifth birthday uh, ad, uh, printing. So I don't actually know if it's similar or different to the original. I'm sure it's similar. But the version I'm doing, um, the, so the overberry mitts are a uh, flip top mitten pattern. So I am making them in um, the plucky knitter feet. So it's a very, it's a high twist um, wool and nylon blend, and it's high twist because it's meant to sort of stand up to your feet pushing on them all the time. Um, and it's in a sort of 
medium deep gray called uh, Little Riata. Um, and it's a leftover, it's just leftover yarn from another project that I did. So I'm excited about using that up. Um, and then the other thing I'm making is um, because the weather has started to warm up, I'm going back to embroidery and I am, I have started the pattern from um, feminist icon cross stitch for Sojourner Truth. Mm. So um, I did, I think I uh, covered this a long time ago, but I finished the um, Frida Kahlo one and Frida Kahlo was the cover picture on that book. Um, so I, I was immediately drawn to it cause I'm always drawn to really bright colors. And obviously the Frida one is going to have bright colors in it because yeah. that was, you know, how she dressed herself and how she adorned her hair was with bright colors. Um, but as I was flipping through all of the patterns in that book, the Sojourner Truth uh, pattern really stood out to me because it is a more muted color palette. So it's these soft grays, soft blues, soft pinks, which makes a little more visual sense for the time when she was alive, where really bright colors would have been very expensive to maintain yeah. in fabrics. Um, so I picked some colors out of the stash that we got from our grandmother that matched um, yeah, the sort of tones that they were using and I'm really excited for that because it sort of strikes me as being a little bit springy like um it's just like the first emergence from winter where there's some color coming out of the very um pale drab landscape so the pattern itself is not drab it's just more delicate colors you know like um more muted and it's just well, and I'm lovely also, I'm gonna say like there's kind of like this word that I hate using in some ways but sophisticated mm -hmm. and it means that you spend more time looking at the intricacies of the pattern there's mm -hmm. things that um require you to go deeper as like something that you're taking in visually and I think that's a good thing sometimes people are like oh I just wanted to like knock me over you know yeah <laughs> just give me the colors and I'm like well well, and that, sometimes that's cool. That's what you want. But yeah. other times there's there's a time and a place for everything. Yeah. So I appreciate that they've, they went the gamut. Like they went over the spectrum of those color options. So exactly. Exactly. So I'm excited about that one. I still haven't decided what I'm going to do with the pieces that I make from this cross stitch. Um, but I'm really enjoying um, sort of thinking about the the women that it celebrates, that this book celebrates um and sort of picking out from them um both the stories that I find really compelling as well as the color palettes that are exciting to me at the time um and so eventually I'll figure out what I'm doing with the pieces but I, I don't have a specific end goal in mind I just sort of like um meditating on the the process and the the images right oh. now so, so that's what I'm working on. Excellent. Um, I will try to go quickly on mine. Um, let's see here. I finished a baby blanket for a baby who is over one years old now. Oh um, my gosh, the quilt you made is so beautiful. <laughs> never again, Jersey Knits, never again. Um, I think that anyone who quilts is probably like, oh, cool. 
You taught yourself to quilt. Why did you do knits? Um, and it's one of those t-shirt quilt ideas. And because I'm a self-taught quilter, I really just took my time on doing this. And I've also recognized that in my life, I am not really good at maintaining the passion sometimes. Other times I'm like, down, I want to get it done. But if something comes up like a work project or something else, a personal concern, next thing I know, I am sidetracked. This kid has been around. I, My friends told me early about this baby coming. They told me real early. I had, there's no excuses for this. Anyways, this baby is still considered a baby. That's what I'm concerned. <laughs> still it's not technically a baby. He didn't go to college yet. And he doesn't have too many opinions. So I'm sure his mom and dad feel very differently about that. But I'm saying to me, he's easy. And he was still on his knees and still wandering around. So I'm like, he needs this blanket. Um, but yeah, I think the one thing I really took away from that, and I posted this on our Instagram too, but using a thicker um, knit, which is like a French terry, this one had a little bit of spandex in it, so it rolled more than, say, 100% cotton French terry. Um, but I really love doing the the self-binding on it. Like, well, actually, I didn't do self-binding. I just still cut it and made it into its own binding. But I allowed it to have that raw rolled edge, and I really loved how soft it was. So I think I might even try to apply that knit binding to woven quilts. And I know to people that sounds crazy, but if you have a walking foot, all things are possible. So that, that was what I was hoping you would talk to about a little bit today is... Um, what exactly does a, is a walking foot and what does it do for you? Um, back in the day, you could disengage your um, feed dogs, which the feed dogs are the things that feed your fabric through your sewing machine. Okay. It propels your fabric. It grabs your fabric. It propels it through. And because usually when you're sewing, you're sewing two pieces together. Mm-hmm. So your front, the top piece is usually just being propelled by you and your hands mm-hmm. and being connected to the bottom piece, which is being grabbed by these little you know, edges, almost like a file mm-hmm. that grips the fabric and, and constantly moves it, it forward. Yeah. Okay. It's, I don't know why they call them feed dogs, but here we are. Uh-huh. Maybe because they're like little teeth. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, when you use a walking foot, it essentially disengages your walking, uh, your, uh, your feed dogs. And so people were able to disengage their feed dogs or people used to tape over their feed dogs, mm-hmm. which for me is... There's already so much gunk that happens in the show, <laughs> so I'm kind of like, oh, why add another layer of complexity? But this walking foot allows you to sew knits. It allows you to sew layers, like high loft layers, difficult fabrics, soft fabrics, or even things on a bias, because it is essentially walking your fabric together softly. It's moving your top and your bottom fabric at the same oh, time. Oh, I see, as opposed to the bottom part being moved by the machine and the top part being moved by your hands yeah the walking foot walks both layers together and i'm sure someone will correct me if i'm wrong about this but it essentially moves everything at the same time same pace and there's less tension so Uh when you put your presser foot down like whenever you see people sew they generally have to slam a a foot down a walk uh, the not the walking foot but the presser foot like a little flat piece of metal that pushes everything together right so that you have a tight stitch yeah and so that helps along with the feed dogs to grab the fabric move it evenly so that you don't have gaps Uh uh-huh but you don't always want that with knit fabrics that oh yeah i was gonna say because the the knit fabrics knit fabrics stretch Mm -hmm. which that system doesn't account for right so it's kind of a 
it's, um, I'm not going to say it's cheating, but it is, it handles your fabrics a lot more carefully. It handles delicate fabrics, it handles knit fabrics, high stretch fabrics, um, and then quilted fabrics, like lots of layers that are hard to keep in one place. You know, like the bottom layer is going at one speed and your top layer is going at another if you use your pressure, your presser foot. But if you use the walking foot, it kind of captures it together. So is a walking foot a an additional piece that you have to buy for your sewing machine? I have not seen it offered on most standard machines. Okay. But if you go to a your local sewing shop or like a Joanne Fabric or a, um, a repair shop especially... Or you can go to Amazon, depending on like what's available to you. But you can get a walking foot for your machine that's easily adaptable to most machines. You can get one that's very specific to your brand of machine. Like, depending on what kind of brand you have, it might be from Europe, and you need you need a different size. Mm-hmm. But there's it's pretty easy to find, and it's around fifteen to twenty dollars. And I know that sounds like a lot for an accessory mm-hmm. <laughs> for your sewing machine that should already do everything. But it is a huge difference when you're deciding to sew with really difficult fabrics. It is my go-to for anything difficult. If I have to sew something bias, if I have to sew something that stretches, anything that is reliably unreliable, mm-hmm. I will use that foot. So. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like you say, it is it is a pricey accessory, but if you've decided that you're going to make stretchy dresses for yourself or or leggings like you want to like sew your own leggings because you want them to fit you the way that you want them to fit you this would be it you would want to do that as opposed to trying to struggle with your presser foot absolutely i think that like even if you were deciding to repair a side seam on your sweater Mm -hmm. or maybe you knit a sweater and you want to sew them together on the machine and not by hand because you just want a different look, you mm-hmm. need a walking foot. Because if not, it'll just stretch out your ends mm. and make everything pointed. Yeah, which is not the look you're after. Exactly. So that's why like a lot of people hand sew their knits together. Mm-hmm. But this walking foot makes it really easy. So, um, yeah. I, I didn't believe until I got one. And then I was like, oh. oh. <laughs> and a lot of people who like quilt get these long arm machines like really serious quilters get long arms which are like thousands and thousands of dollars i got drunk one night and i was like i'm gonna look at these long arm machines and the one i was like i'm just gonna dream it up was thirty thousand dollars i was like you know what i could live in a van for three years (laughs) i could do that i could live off the grid and have a life over having that sewing machine. machine. I was like, this is insane. Sorry, that I love that my life immediately went to there. Like, how can I survive for thirty thousand dollars? <laughs> I could do it. I could do it well. Um, but this is your. If you've ever wanted to machine quilt, a walking fit helps. Anyways, I've talked quite a lot about that, but um, that so, was like my big project. Yeah. yeah. So what are you working on now? Now that that is finished, <laughs> another baby blanket. So glad you asked. <laughs> um, I have one baby blanket in the queue. Um. I made a bunch of little bag. I'll, I'll say this. I, I'm doing a baby blanket, but I think that person might listen to the show, so I can't talk too much about it. Fair enough. I also feel like her baby's coming early. 
And she keeps saying, the baby's telling me she's coming early. So I'm like, oh, crap. This <laughs> I is don't like, have the time for this. I don't need your baby to come early. I'm already late. Um, although <laughs> you know that she's ready for that baby to show up now. Oh, she's been ready. She's been ready for a while. <laughs> I think every mom at this point, like in the last month, they're like, this baby should have come two months ago. And no one ever really wants their baby to come two months ago. But the point is, is like, you think that you can't deal with it for that last three, four weeks. It's a lot. It is It's hard. a lot. Um, so yeah, I'm, I have another baby blanket I'm about to make. Uh, for Mother's Day, I was telling you guys, I told you guys, I told a few folks about this in the, in the podcast, but I decided to do a gua sha, um, toolkit for people. So I made little bags out of like scrap fabrics. I supplied everybody with like kind of some cheap gua sha tools. They're not jade, despite what they say. Um, they're stone. Um, and then I illustrated a Dolly Parton gua sha um instruction manual for everybody and and referred to all of those items as hillbilly jade (laughs) because everyone was like is this jade i'm like oh not everybody but i was like just ready for everyone to be like is this oh my god is this really jade because goop told us it should be jade i'm like no i don't have that budget (laughs) also like none of y'all ever gonna buy real jade okay like (laughs) i've never bought real jade and i've gone to jade markets come on like that shit's expensive anyways so I did that for Mother's Day. That was like one big project. And um, yeah, that's kind of the big things right now. So quickly, what is a gua sha? Oh, sorry. Gua sha is a face, they call it a face scraper, which I'm terrified by the, <laughs> the term, or a face, a skin lifter. And I'm like, no. Um, but it is a small massage tool that helps, essentially like it causes your circulation to to improve quickly, which also might cause some bruising for some mm. folks. But the point is, is that it is a massage, just like any massage could cause bruising and cause your circulation to increase. But the point of doing Gua Sha is that it will, as you use this uh, stone tool on your face, or it could also just be a spoon, a metal spoon. They're also nice and cold. The point is that it needs to be cold to help like with your, um, your puffiness. puffiness. Yeah. Yes. I think puffiness is what they use with the face. Yeah, they don't, they don't say swelling. swelling. <laughs> they say puffiness. Your ankles swell, your face puffs. Okay. <laughs> um, bloat is at your belly. Um, <laughs> there's all these like phrases that we use once you go further down the body. And I'm like, okay. Um, but in order to help minimize that puffiness, you just use like, a really cold tool. And so jade is noticeably a colder metal, or not metal, uh, stone. But also stainless steel works fine too. But the point is that it's, shaped a certain way so that it works with the contours of your face and it actually is about lymphatic drainage so it helps with the puffiness but it's actually causing your body to do more lymphatic drainage than if you just didn't Mm -hmm. and so if you go to and get a massage someone's going to do lymphatic massage on you most of the time if they touch your face they're they're doing that if they're touching your neck that's lymphatic massage too so that's what gua sha does did i did i explain that Yes. Okay. <laughs> you did an excellent job. And I will say, as a recipient of a gua sha tool, um, it is lovely because, like you say, it is it sort of naturally chills itself because it doesn't have any water in it that would retain warmth at all. Um, so it just feels really nice in your face. And the shape is almost like a heart where it's a curved heart yeah kind of 
Yeah, kind of so, a kidney heart shape. Yeah. So it sort of, like you say, fits the, the shape of your face, fits the contours of your face. And it just feels really nice. Particularly first thing in the morning where your under eyes are all poofy. <laughs> you know, you could run to your freezer and get some ice cubes, but that melts and that makes a mess. And I don't really want to run from yeah. my bedroom to the kitchen and then back to my bathroom to do whatever. So like having that little stone tool just feels really nice and it does actually seem to reduce the the appearance of puffiness at the time. I think it definitely, yeah, and it's temporary, so it's mm-hmm. not like anyone should feel like, oh, this solves my life problems, but it it is great that it's a tool that doesn't get thrown away. Mm-hmm. It's something that continues to feel cold no matter what, and it feels temporarily really good. Um, the other thing that I really like about it was just that, for me, lymphatic drainage also means my sinuses, and I don't think, I don't think those systems are combined, but it's it really helps me open up my sinuses when I run that gua sha near those areas or touch the pressure points on my face that help kind of open those areas up. Mm-hmm. So every morning I feel, uh, maybe it's psychosomatic, maybe it is all in my head, but I do feel like things move. Mm-hmm. So it works for me. I'm, But Lord knows I am not a doctor and I am unsure <laughs> of this science. Anyways. But it's also nice just to like take a moment and massage your face and say that you get a massage every day. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. Better so, than all right. More than all right. Um, so that's what I've been working on. <laughs> that was long-winded. I'm sorry. Cool. Um, do you have some gold stars to give? I do. Um, so the I there are many things that I have loved in the past several weeks, but I will stick with one in the spirit of, of trying to get myself to focus on anything. So the gold star that I will give this week is to an app called Olio, spelled O-L-I-O. And it is a food sharing app. So um, I first heard about this through a local um, magazine called Little Village. Um, So it's an Iowa-focused magazine. that talks about, you know, issues that are relevant to Iowa. Um, per- I think it's a little more focused on Eastern, the Eastern half of Iowa, but yeah. um, essentially the app is an app that was, so the reason it was fe- featured in Little Village is number one, because they care about the environment, but number two, one of the founders, there's two people, two women who founded Olio, and one of them is from Iowa, and she describes herself as having been raised by Iowa hippie parents and so she <laughs> she thinks about um the 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 contributions or detriments that her behaviors have to her environment and so um she now lives in London um with her co-founder um well, she doesn't live with her co-founder but the co-founder the two, <laughs> they also the live two in women London. Yeah. <laughs> live in London and they started this um app where you post food that um, you are not going to eat for one reason or another. Like either you bought more than you could use or you cooked up a bunch of food but now there are leftovers or you just have like pantry staples that you're just not going to eat. Like there's definitely been, there was somebody um, not too long ago who realized that they um, needed to be on a gluten-free diet. And so they had a bunch of like pantry staples that they had to get rid of. And, um, 
I wouldn't have thought about this overly much because you can compost food waste, but number one, a lot of cities don't have a composting program. I personally am terrible at gardening, so I'm not going to remember to turn a compost pile. And the non-compostable version of getting rid of food, like just putting food into your garbage can and having that go to a landfill, those foods don't actually break down very well. Like you think that because they're organic, they're going to break down, but they really don't if they're not surrounded by other organic materials. So, you know, you might think like, oh, I'm going to get rid of a head of iceberg lettuce and it's going to be gone in a couple of weeks. Like it can take years to degrade if it's not in the right environment. And if it's not in the right environment, it also... um, generates greenhouse gases. I was going to say, like, you're still wrapping it in plastic, so it's just going to sit there. Right. So it sits for a long time. It degrades anaerobically, and that means that it generates um, a lot more waste and a lot more... um, It contributes more to global warming than composting. But, like I said, a lot of us um, don't have access to composting or we aren't going to do it at home um, and even if you compost, that's still waste. It's just not as bad as throwing in the landfill. So the purpose of Olio is it's just like any other um, social media app where you sign up for an account. It's free. And then you post the foods or non-food items, like if you have vitamins or whatever. Oh, cool. Um, you post that you want to give it away. And you post the window of time in which that food or vitamin or whatever it is will still be um, safe to eat. And then somebody can just say, I want to pick it up. And so you can arrange with them either that you're going to leave it on your porch if it's non-perishable or they can come pick it up from you at a specific time. And you can tell people what available times you have so that you don't have to like screen a bunch of messages from people about times that you can't be available um, but I think they just reached a million users, wow. which is really cool. Um, and they're definitely biggest in the UK, but they are working really hard to spread, um, their, um, functionality outside of the UK. Um, and I just thought it was, it was just a genius idea. Um, That's awesome. because it's something where, you know, if people are food insecure, this is, you know, a free way to obtain food. Um, but even if you're not food insecure and you just don't want to contribute to global warming, this is a relatively simple way to like get rid of food before you go on a vacation yeah. or, you know, just get rid of stuff that you just know as a, like, you know, if you have a CSA and you just know you're not going to get through the CSA, like other people can, can benefit from that. That's lovely. I weirdly, a friend of mine was moving and they got this package from Amazon, and there were six bottles of prenatal vitamins, like really nice prenatal vitamins in it. He went back and forth with Amazon to come pick it up, all these other things, and they were just like, we've already refunded the original purchaser the the, the goods. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I don't need prenatal vitamins. <laughs> like, I just like, don't want this product. Yeah, <laughs> and essentially the, the seller from Amazon, I'm not saying this is Amazon's view, but this the seller was like, just throw them away. And I was like, you know how expensive prenatal vitamins are? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not about to throw this away. So he gave them to me because he was like, do you need them? And I'm like, 
I got that fine hair and fine nails situation. <laughs> I can get into this, but I have, you know, I'm taking plenty of other things, like plenty of vitamins. I, these prenatal vitamins would be so helpful, so helpful for somebody else. And I want to make sure I get them out before they go, they're past their expiration, right? Before yeah. their effective date. So, um, I'm going to look at that out. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right. What about you? Man, I I pale in comparison to this I one. I disagree. Oh, well, I'll try to keep it brief, but we all know that that's not true. And um, this weekend, I went to the Hoodoo Heritage Festival in Forestville, California, which is in Sonoma County. And I had a really interesting, and I hate using the word magical weekend. I feel like I should say rosé all day after that. But um, I just had such a great time visiting a group of people by myself like I traveled by myself and I got to hang out with some friends but I went to an event by myself that you know I got to sit and learn a lot about um and I participated a bit but what I thought was just really interesting was like I had to get real comfortable with talking to strangers again and I forget going into those places where like I don't know the subject material I'm not the expert and on top of that I need everybody to help me I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I'm driving to. I don't know anything anymore. Even though I've lived in California for years, I don't know this little region as much as I thought I did. I don't know how to go to this workshop and what I need to do next. And I just had a really um, strong moment of how to ask for help. And I just had a really beneficial time from it I would every morning I would go to the Casadero general store I was staying at my friend's house in Casadero which is kind of like a remote ish area near Guerneville which is like the Russian River area if people know that and um I would eat breakfast at the general store there which is kind of like old-timey like oh I'm gonna go to the general store you can also sit there and eat your meal and I'd go there and I'd listen to everyone talk and I just had to make polite conversation and the best part was I didn't have phone service, so I had to. Like, there was no amount of, like, can I have your Wi-Fi password? There was no Wi-Fi. Like, I just had to be there and be present. And it was just a, I'm not trying to say gold star to me, but it was more of, like, um, it was a really great moment of, like, it really didn't take that much more time out of my day to talk to people and to listen to people and hear about their day. And, you know, I eventually got on and got to do things on this trip that were better than if I just Googled it all. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of information from locals and I got to talk to this, so many more people and being alone was really interesting. And I can I know that people who have traveled to other countries, other regions and worlds are, are I'm sure they're all like, oh, traveling alone is the best, but I've never really had to do that. Mm-hmm. I've always gone for work or I've always gone with a friend. And this is in the US but it just allowed me to just kind of have some faith in people. So anyways, there's a lot of bad shit out there right now. I'm really mad at like a lot of people about the news that we have out there. But I just met so many great people last weekend that I was like, you know what? I still have faith in humanity. And as long as I put myself out there, people will put themselves out there too. Yeah. So anyways, gold star to humanity. Gold star to like asking for help and for directions and good ideas. And for a better sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> I just had a really good time with it. That was like a long-winded Bud Light Orange um, Gold Star to humanity and to Sonoma County for the, the nicest the nicest people on Earth. So, cool. that's it. Cool. 
Well, thank you guys so much for listening, and thank you for your patience as we have clearly become more of a monthly podcast than a bi-weekly podcast. Um, if you would like to interact with us more, we are mostly on Instagram, I would say, and uh, you can find us there as Stitchcraft Stitch <laughs> Sisters, um, and we are on Ravelry, but... It's not a super active group, but you can look for us on Ravelry, a Stitchcraft podcast. Um, and you can also find us on iTunes. Um, so, And we'd really like it if you left a good review so that people could see our podcast pop up more. True. Um, and if you want to give us feedback or corrections or commentary or suggestions, um, all of those formats are good. iTunes, um, the website... Um, is stitchcraftsisters.com um, Instagram or Ravelry. Uh, we would love to hear your feedback and ideas and all of that. Always. Because feedback's a gift. <laughs> and I'll take it this time. I'm not going to re-gift it, I promise. <laughs> Alright, so we will see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.